to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks on 2SER. Ah, the sweet sounds of geese honking. I don't know why I laugh every time you describe them as anything like sweet, romantic, delightful, lovely. I was like, really? My friend's in Germany right now and she's staying at one of her friend's houses, which is on a farm. Mm. And she just keeps sending me like images of geese going, the look of pure evil. She thinks they're like the worst thing to come out of hell. And I'm like, I love geese. And she's like, no, dead to me. (laughs) They're... Quite aggressive. They are. They attack very occasionally. <laughs> That's why I think I love every time you're like, oh, these sweet, naive geese. And I'm like, I think she's confusing them with swans or other pluses. Swans are vicious too, aren't they? Well, no, they seem romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, geese and geese waddle. So they're entertaining. And every time I think of geese. Duck ge- swaddle. They're also entertaining. They're like <laughs> a cute little version. And then you have the tall version, which are geese with the elongated long necks. <laughs> they are like a hybrid between a duck and a swan, aren't they? A bit. A funnier version. <laughs> just, that honks. I don't know what this podcast has happened as <laughs> we just discuss geese. You think it's a pop culture geeky <laughs> podcast? But no, actually, we just discuss animals that live by the water. They and honk at you and they demand are bread. <laughs> and nothing gets them. Sophie's been paid by like the big geese company. <laughs> she does PR for geese. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, yeah, she is on their retainer. Totally. That is me. But as you mentioned, it, Tali. Oh, you are Tali Holatia. I am Sophie. <laughs> but also like talking of predators. Yes. That's a natural segue to go from geese How are to geese predator. predators. <laughs> In my eyes. What do they predate on? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? What is a fur for predator? Oh, my God. Have I made you I cry already? That was potentially the grossest thing ever that I have a runny nose. I could feel like coming out of my nose when you said, what do they predate on? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm crying. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that was hilarious. Thank you for that. <laughs> English. I <Yeah>. English great. <laughs> anyway, you went to go see Predator. I did, The Predator. It's um, a continuation of the franchise that was started back uh, by Arnie back in the day. This mm. one's directed by Shane Black, you might know from films like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man 3. Yes. Yep. So this one, it's very in style of Shane Black films. It's very... Mm. Dark humour. Blokey. Very blokey. Mm. I mean, it's a cast of like six dudes and two ladies pretty much. At least there's two. Yeah, it does not pass the Bechdel test no. in any <laughs> regard. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, mm-mm. they barely, no, they don't even speak to each other at all. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Look, next movie, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> keep trying. They'll keep trying. Who knows? Um, <laughs> premise of this one is... Predator lands on Earth and pretty much crash lands in a forest where a military sniper, Quinn McKenna, is played by Boyd Holbrook, who is also known as a fashion model. Fashion. <laughs> he is a fashion model. <laughs> so he was a high fashion model. 
Say fashion again. Fashion. Thank you. I used to follow his career when he was a fashion model. And then he like, started trying to get like little bit pieces and filmed. And uh-huh. then he was in Logan. In yep. like He played a villain that was there for two minutes. Like seriously, blink. And you and miss he's it. Gone. He's yeah. gone. Oh. <laughs> Wasted. But now this is actually his first starring lead role. So, oh. so he's made it. Yeah, from I think so. From the world of fashion. From the world of fashion. To the world of film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he plays a military sniper. Um, so his whole team is decimated. So mm-hmm. gets picked up by the military. Come back pretty mm-hmm. much, um, but not before he sends back home a few pieces of gear he grabbed from the predator. Well, that's going to be a smart thing. Not yeah. Isn't to, that- so he sent it to his PO box, but of course he hadn't been paying it. So he gets sent to his family home, which is where his ex-wife and his ten-year-old kid lives. Yes. Ideal. Put family in danger. Yeah, big tick. Do something reckless, mm. tick. Steal from the enemy, tick. Yeah. Put family in danger. Mm. Bing, bing, bing. Um, so while the government are picking him up, they also managed to pick up the Predator. Oh. So they sedate the Predator, bring it back. So that government facility has been led by Sterling K. Brown, who plays a bit of an ambiguous character. And they then bring in Olivia Munn, who plays Casey Beckett, a biologist, because yeah. they're like, hmm, this Predator's a bit weird. It's got some human DNA in it. You, biologist. Explain it. Naturally. Naturally. Explain um, this thing we've never seen before. Exactly. Oh, well, luckily for science. But, of course, that predator escapes decimating mm. the facility just as they're kind of taking um, old mate Sniper to the loony bin because they're like, you've seen too much. We're shipping you off to the veterans' hospital. So he gets into a... Bu- so they don't believe that he's seen... Oh, they know he's seen. So they're oh. shutting him down. So they're like, whisper, whisper, government secrets cannot reveal. Don't ask, don't tell. Exactly. So he gets shipped, he gets put into a busload of other veterans who are all suffering from mental issues as or PTSD. Mm. And then they're like, see the predator escaping with Olivia Munn chasing it. And they're like, ah, right. Excellent. I Excellent. wanted some more therapy. Exactly. Which is then when the adventure kind of really does kick in um, mm. as they kind of all band together to chase this predator who is now going after its gear which has been sent to Quinn's family home, which his autistic son has picked up and somehow hacked into as a very precocious child. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. This alien technology. Who knows? He just somehow figured out how to use it. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, of course, this predator that's chasing them isn't the biggest threat. There's a bigger one on the loose, um, and that's where chaos ensues. Um, so when they say predator, mm. it's like, do they mean baby predator or big predator or both? It's, I actually don't know because they all, <laughs> they call those species predators. Oh, okay. And there's a really hilarious bit in the film where they're all arguing that is not a predator. That is a trophy hunter. If it hunts for fun, it is a hunter. It's a nice little quip to all those trophy hunters out there. <laughs> I, I think it'd also be a totally different movie if they called it trophy hunter. <laughs> Yeah, we are. <laughs> Buck dear, we are hunting today. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but it's but it's actually quite a fun movie. Mm. I really enjoyed it. The banter is nonstop. Olivia Munn keeps up with the boys in yeah. it, and yeah, it was. And it's got a great cast. You've got Alfie Allen from Game of Thrones <laughs> and Lily Allen's brother. Lily Allen's brother. You've got Thomas Jane who played the Punisher before. He's in there mm. as uh, one of the veterans who has Tourette's. Um, you've got Keegan Michael Key. Um, mm. Also, Jacob Tremblay plays the autistic son. Yep. So he's from Rooms. And Trevante Rhodes from Moonlight. So he's got a decent, cast. decent cast. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was fun. 
I'll yeah. say that. <laughs> well, that's it's funny because I was umming and ahhing whether to go see Predator, mm. given all the drama. Yeah, that has since ensued in the past, what, week or so. Yeah. Well, I guess that now they're doing the uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. Which it had its premiere at. Exactly. So I think that this is why it's all coming to light and now this is what's making me go, do I want to go see it? Do I want to support it? It's so difficult. Mm. So for those who don't know what happened, um, Olivia Munn, well, no, let's go back. So <laughs> Shane Black is the director. Yes. He has a friend. Yes. Stephen Wilder Stragle. Yes. Yes. Who... Shane Black has been casting his friend in little bit parts in movies that he has done mm. in a let's help a friend out, give them a leg up, this is a good thing. The problem is, is that Strigel mm. has a criminal record as a registered sex offender because what he had done is he had essentially groomed this 14-year-old girl who was a distant relative of his mm. um, and quite like... The email exchange starts off with what he says is, I was just trying to give her confidence. And then towards the end was just like dodgy AF. Explicit. <laughs> yeah. Really, really, really bad. Um, so much so he went to jail for six months for it. Mm. Now, Shane Black knew that he was a registered sex offender. He knew that his friend had gone to jail, but he says he didn't know the extent of the exchange between him and the 14-year-old girl. And so he was just like, this is my friend. I'm going to give him a chance. And so there was a bit scene, and when I say a bit scene, it was like a minute, Mm. that they needed this character to hit on Olivia Munn's character in this scene. And so Shane Black's gone, oh, my friend, Strigel, he'll be perfect for that. Yeah. Cast him. Now, the thing with um, 20th Century Fox when they do auditions is they can't ask, do you have a criminal record? But it's also not like, it's not usually the second like, yeah, think, question on the job interview. Quick question. question. Are you a registered sex, sex offender? offender? Yes or no? <laughs> I mean, maybe honestly. they should add that on the form now. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's what the change will be. Mm. And so essentially no one on the cast... No one knew, except for Shane Black, that Mm. this guy had, you know, had this past. And so they shot the scene. He did his scene with Olivia Munn. It was all good to go. All is well. Mm. And then Olivia Munn found out about his past and she brought it to 20th Century Fox and to Shane Black to just be like, heads up, guys. That actor who was in that scene with me, checkered past this is potentially really, really bad, thinking that she was alerting them for the first time that this was going on. And then it was figured out that Shane Black actually knew this the whole time and still cast him, which is kind of like a real slap in the face to all those people that he then made work with this guy. Yeah. Not so, like, it's kind of one of those fine lines where you go, you know, go to jail, time served, get a fresh start and stuff like that. But... They, I guess they did. He, they did have a responsibility to tell them that yeah. this is what this guy's past was. Especially if you two have a scene or a, just a set where there could be lots of children around and lots of different things like that. There are just all these other factors that you've got to play into it. So it it moves past just helping a friend out and giving mm. them work into a you know what is your responsibility when you're on set, especially when it's like a crime of that nature. Exactly, exactly, which just makes it so much so much worse. So 20th Century Fox, they cut the scene. Yeah. So it's not in Predator. Thank God. And the 
The fact that made the movie good was no one cracked onto Olivia yeah. Munn when I'm like, yes! This is possible. <laughs> They're just treating yeah. her as a normal person. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Spectre is a scientist-ish, yeah. but like not crack. no one mm. cracks onto her. And I'm like, yeah. that is so refreshing in a blokey action movie. Yeah. And so, and this is what was then funny. So it's like this great moment, like, I mean, in the sense that that's action being seen to happen. So Olivia Munn alerts them. They're all like, no, get rid of it, thing, thing. But then what's happened in this past week is obviously they're doing all the media for the movie Mm. and they had like cast interviews set up, but no one turned up except for Olivia. And she outwardly said, like, I feel like I'm isolated up here, feeling that she didn't have the support of her cast for speaking out and Mm. for saying something. And... This is what's really interesting in the whole Time's Up movement of just like we won't accept this anymore is that, you know, lots of lots of actors wear the pins saying like this is this is not good enough. We're going to stand up where we need to. I just don't understand pins. ScoMo going, remember what team you're on. Nothing says what your allegiance is until you put a pin on like your lapel. Your lapel. Now I know who you stand for. But that was the thing. It was just like all these people came out and say, time's up, time's up, time's up. But when the time counts to say, like, stand up for it, then quite silent. It's just, yeah, and deafening silence. Exactly. And it's a really interesting choice too because, like, if they'd all, like, stood in solidarity behind a, no, we won't stand for this, it becomes a news bite on one day and then the next day just whatever happens, like the news cycle, something else will come in and rah, rah. But the fact that they've all like continued not to be supportive means that we're still talking about it. It means that Olivia's still going out there by herself saying, this is not good enough. I'm going to stand up for what's right and I'm going to speak out when I need to. Yeah. But in the terms of like what, and I'm not saying that like Olivia is damaging the publicity of the movie, but at the same no. sense, it's because they could have gone, they could have mm. totally spun it like we they found out about this it. and yeah. we got rid of it the yeah. moment we found out because we stand with Olivia and yeah. our cast members exactly. and their safety, especially when yeah. someone who's committed a crime of this nature yeah, does that. And the victim and the, came, like, the victim came, came out. out. So she put a statement out where she said, my purpose in making this statement is to reclaim my identity. Um, Sexual abuse makes people uncomfortable. It should make you uncomfortable. This discomfort is nothing compared to the psychological and physical suffering of those who have dealt with it. I was not able to speak for myself when I was 14. The consequences of this abuse are profound and permanent for some. When the abuse takes place with a child, it is even harder to overcome. You lose trust in everyone around you and mainly yourself. Your abuse does not define you. With support from others and strength from within, you can overcome the label of victim and reclaim your identity. Support can come in many forms. Sometimes all it takes is one person speaking up for you, acknowledging your worth as a human being. I am extremely fortunate to have a father and mother that love me unconditionally. My father supported me in my healing and growth in ways I cannot thank him enough for. I am also eternally grateful for Olivia Munn's action. She spoke up for me. She took a stance for me. In turn, she stood for all who have suffered like I have. To be acknowledged by a stranger on a public platform about this issue is incredibly empowering. The positive feedback from social media towards Olivia Munn is uplifting and feels incredibly supportive for me personally. I have no shame for what was done to me. I am not the one who needs to carry that shame. My name is Paige Carnes, a former Jane Doe. I hope anyone who suffered like I have regains their voice and their humanity powerful yeah <laughs> it's like it just but it's like yeah that's the reason why especially when Shane Black's like it. oh he wasn't that lecturer it's like it clearly yeah. did affect his 14 year old girl oh, now <laughs> absolutely like mm. how could it not affect someone mm. which is kind of weird and also yeah. like is it his place to say 
to be so dismissive mm. of what had happened, even though he wasn't involved. Like he obviously wanted to think the best of his friend. And yeah. I get that. We all want to do that. Yeah. But, you know, there is also going take responsibility. Yeah. And also it's just yeah. disappointing from the cast to not be there. Like yeah. when Shane Black, when it was in, like he got a standing ovation by the car, like three of mm. the cast members, and she's and Olivia Munn had to go like, "Are you serious?" He still cast this guy, <laughs> knowing that he was yep. a child sex offender. Yeah, and then only when prompted by the public, going, "Why isn't anyone speaking out?" This except for Olivia, they were like, "Oh no, 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 we are so respectful of the time." Up yeah. and the Me Too movement, you know, we said it to her in private. Um, we support her. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, you abandoned her at. All the press junkets. You exactly. were like, oh, I feel yeah. a bit ill and just left. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so transparent. Yeah. It's like all of you. Yeah. Like three of you. Great. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Like silence is deafening. In yeah. Here. And then instead what you get is Olivia sitting there mm. going, I feel isolated by my cast. And they're like, oh, we just don't want to like, you know, impose, feel, make you feel uncomfortable. Mm. It's like you made her feel more uncomfortable by doing that. And then <laughs> there was this thing I saw um, also on social media that there were some people trying to give Olivia Munn flack for still turning up, going, well, if you thought so like strongly about it, why did you even still go? Like you didn't have to go to those things by yourself. Well, it's like how you s- yeah. said that you were confused whether you should boycott this movie mm. or not. Yeah. And then she's like, well, A, I'm contractually obliged. Yeah. Oh, but also B, I'm really proud of this movie. Yeah. So it's tough. It's a, and yeah. it is a fun movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have that guy in it. Mm. And she was saying, um, I think that audiences will enjoy this movie more now that they know there is not, yeah. you know. That's what's happened. Yeah, because I that mean. That person in this film and yeah. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> if it had come out now mm. when the movie's already out there. They can't just go, well, I guess they could just go in there Recall. and the scene. <laughs> yeah. Just swim out a little correction to that scene. Don't yeah. have it. Yeah. And then they're like, why did you cut the scene? Well, turns out. Mm. Yeah, Awkward. it doesn't end well no. in any way. No. Mm. Well, Predator. Should I just play this? You are officially <laughs> on my shit list! Yes. There you go. That feels right. That feels, it feels right. right. All right. Shall we move on to some other things? Yes. Well, we did. I did say fashion earlier. <laughs> Should we talk about Tyker's beautiful face? Because he oh. is at TIFF right now. <laughs> the king of fashion. <laughs> Do you have your Tyker Waititi grab? I'm sorry, I'm not J.J. Abrams. They say, ah, oh, Tyker, we wish we called you J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Tiger Waititi, man who can do no wrong. No. No matter how hard he tries. Absolutely not. Um, he's in an interview at the Toronto International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he's talking about growing up, how he's like, you know, he wasn't that kind of big, rough kind of yeah, big, in, New in New Zealand guy. And he's just like, he finds it just really hard being blessed with a beautiful face. <laughs> I feel like he is the only person in the world who can say that without anyone being like, you arrogant asshole. Like, no, it's who, you, everyone's just like, no, yeah, it's we true. Agree. We agree. It would, it would be <laughs> such a curse to look like that. I just also loved where he's just like, sometimes I walk past a mirror and it's like, oh, yeah, th- that is me. That beautiful, <laughs> handsome man is me. It's just, I can't, like for most people, that you just be like, "What an asshole!" Yeah, exactly. What a digger! His head is up his ass. I know, and then <laughs> I think that there was even like a follow up question that was like, "Oh, we're talking about your face," and he's like, "Oh, like again, I like was trying not to talk about how handsome I am, and yet it just keeps coming up in every interview." <laughs> and you just know he does it in like this classic kind of Kiwi humor that's quite self-effacing. That he's like, like he's in on the joke. Yeah, but then. 
his facials, like when he was like, I look at the mirror and I'm like, oh, like, oh, <laughs> he's doing this, <laughs> like double take on himself. <laughs> and he's like, you know, people I grew up with, they look 20 years older than me, but yeah. you know, I look pretty young because I've been blessed. <laughs> It's funny when he was talking about like growing up in New Zealand and the kind of work, the jobs that were there. It was like, I was going to be in forestry or like, you know, be a truck driver of the logs that were going in and out. And there was just this moment where you're like, no, Taika Waititi, (laughs) your beautiful face. Not saying that, you know, people who work in logging are not beautiful, but it was like, you were always destined to be creative and great. Like, Always. Your face deserves to be shared yeah, with the world. Exactly. <laughs> Your face de- deserves to be on both small screen and big screen, both in front and behind cameras. Exactly. Just and he's a fashion icon, a fashion oh, icon. I mean, those jumpsuits of his. Oh my goodness. He has changed like the, also the, like the pattern suit, like head to toe pattern suit. Again, not many men can pull it off. No, but now I see so many dudes trying to pull it off and I'm just like, like, you're no tiger. I was like, leave it to the experts. (laughs) (laughs) But he is the kind of person that can rock a pattern suit so much that someone goes, oh my God, should I start wearing a pattern suit? It's very like Mean Girls-esque, you know, when they come like out of their singlet. Yeah. Like Regina George did it and now I'm going to do it too, even if it doesn't suit me that's like the world's reaction to anything Taika Waititi does he can do no wrong I cannot wait for his new movie oh my goodness he's he's just the best we love him so much any excuse to talk about him on this podcast absolutely (laughs) because that was literally he was at the Toronto International Film Festival and he was in an interview and he said he had a beautiful face and we're like yep Yep. talking about it we're talking about his beautiful face important Taika content absolutely tick 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 um, no. Do you know the other thing I got excited for this week? What? The Good Place. Oh, oh my goodness. So season three comes yeah. out on Netflix on the 27th of September. Oh, that's so soon. I know. It's like less than two weeks away. I know. <laughs> I know. Just, oh, I'm trying oh to contain my excitement. <laughs> I don't think I can, but I know. And <laughs> you don't have to tell me so fair. I know. Um, and during the week, mm. they've released like the first scene of episode one, season Ooh. three. And um, for those who are obvious Good Place fans, i.e. everyone, because if you haven't seen it, then you need to. This show can do no wrong. It is fucking amazing. It is fucking incredible. <laughs> Again, what I love about that show, like it's genius. Like, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> they kind of left it in this purgatory of sorts because mm. they were like heaven hell because that's the whole setting of the good place mm. is that they're in heaven and they're in hell i'm trying not to ruin it by spoiling it but it's also really hard to explain what's about to happen but anyway um the little spoiler that they have is michael played by ted danson mm. i.e man who makes no wrong acting decisions everything <laughs> he is in is just casting perfection i don't know how oh, he it does it cheers? is that his show Yes, yes. I feel like I seriously, there are some actors out there who just don't make bad decisions, and I feel like he is one of them. I don't know if he has a magic eight ball. I don't know how he does it, but like, has there ever been a show or movie that or Ted Danson's been in and people have gone, mm, no, nah, not that great? No, exactly. Ted Danson makes great life choices. Anyway, the scene sets is that he's in this place and he's going to go back to Earth and essentially 
unkill. No, not kill. <gasps> prevent the deaths. I was like, because I was like, how do you unkill someone? He's going to prevent I was the like, deaths. Bank them vampires. Yeah, <laughs> like... Exactly. And then it's Twilight. That's actually what the movie is. And everyone sparkles. Yeah. <laughs> the end. But he goes back to Earth and prevents the deaths of the four central characters. Yes. And then hopefully affecting their timeline so that they don't end up in the afterworld, good place, bad place. Whatever place. Whatever place. Um, And it's kind of one of those interesting things that you see it. So like... Kirsten Bell's character gets hit by like she's just been she's just been at a supermarket she's sh- and she's carrying people yeah carrying a margarita mix like a giant yeah. bottle of margarita that mix skinny mix margarita mix <laughs> she's just like abused everyone at the supermarket because she's a bad person um and she's dropped something and she's bent down and as she bends down this just row of trolleys just knocks her over. <laughs> So you're just like, oh, okay, bye. Jamila Jamil's character, Tahani, she has always been really envious of her sister and so much so that her death is because she is trying to, like the, her parents love her sister more than she does and she's yeah. not coping with it. Even though that she is like an overachiever into the like overachiever slash name dropper. Oh my God, the amount of name dropping. Uh, I was just hanging here with my friend Oprah. Yes. <laughs> The Dalai Lama rang and asked me for my advice, but I was already like consoling Prince Harry on what he needed to do. And then when Brad and Ange broke up, oh, that just broke my heart. But I was there to have a console with the both of them. Exactly. And so then what happens is like she's at this huge big party for her sister and there's this like gold statue that they've made of her. And like Tahani just cracks and tries to bring it down (laughs) and it falls on her. So again, like crazy death. Um, Chidi... His character just gets hit by an air conditioner as he's oh standing in the street. So that's another thing. Um, and then Jason, <laughs> Jason's an idiot. Um, and he, he tried himself. <laughs> I know he tried to commit a robbery by locking himself in this like in the safe, airtight safe. Where he was like, oh, my friend will let me out. We'll commit the robbery and then we'll roll out. Yeah. Like, this is genius. Genius. Except for the fact he forgot to remember that, one, his friend's an idiot and, two, that he needs oxygen to breathe. <laughs> so he dies in this safe. Like, literally suffocates himself mm. in, like, the way of a mummy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, an idiot. So Michael comes back to Earth and effectively, Eleanor, just before she's about to get hit by the trolleys, like, pushes her out of the way, pushes Chidi out of the way of getting hit by the air conditioner. Um, um, like opens the door to Jason's safe so he can get out oh and start gosh. breathing, right? Um, and then also pushes um, Tahani out of the way of this falling statue and then goes back up to this other place, even, yeah, after place. It's this like weird suspended bridge and like Mike O'Malley. Do you know Kurt's dad off Glee? He's oh. effectively this like gate doorkeeper who has this key to like get between like Worlds. Earth and where, yeah. they, where they are. Anyway. And he comes back and Michael's like, oh, that was so exciting. Like going down to earth because like going to earth for him is his own little novelty. (laughs) Um, And so that's the whole premise of what will be season three of them being back on earth and alive and trying to figure out if that like near death experience changed them. So many butterfly effects. Well, it was kind of funny because it wasn't until that scene happened that I realized that they all had incredibly random deaths. Like... I kind of just accepted they all died and just went, oh, yeah, she just got hit by a trolley. But it was oh, all yeah, by such a weird circumstance yeah. of death. But this yeah. is where I go, like, Mike Sher is a freaking genius mm. to have to, like, throw that in so early. I'm sure, like, 
more avid people would have linked up to the fact that they were all quite accidental deaths. And it's funny that the four protagonists could the thing that that was probably going to be a future plot line. Mm. I did not see that coming. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, that's so great that he could go back and save them all. Because, I mean, like if one of them had died of a long like illness with cancer, you can't go back and fix that no. at any stage. But I was like, oh, wow. Oh, 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 I see what you did there. Genius. Very nice. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens if they're going to be good now. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know about that. Oh. I mean, because it's like Eleanor became a better person. Yes. When she was dead. When she was dead. Yeah. It's because she was trying to get more good points. And yes. it's just like, I don't think that's going to happen because they never had that chance to learn oh. how to be a better person. Like all of them. Yeah. But you know, but this is what they say about near-death experiences. It makes you reevaluate what happens in your life. This like maybe true. Tahani goes, "Look, being in my sister's shadow, I don't have to keep living this life." <laughs> like the reason why it upsets me so much is because I let it. Mm. Wow, I just got really like you're so cheaty, deep. philosophical deep right there. You then. got so deep. Who you're are like, you? It's like the trolley problem, but like <laughs> the good place problem. I've just figured it out. You're all welcome. You cray. Anyway, 27th of September, episodes start, and then I will have to deal with the fact that it's weekly episodes. We live in binge culture now. I I don't know know how you can't just. But if the show is still being commissioned by a studio in the US that's doing weekly releases, you know it's a good show. Well, you know, it's either if you go at the same time, if you fast track it, it'll be weekly, or if you wait, you can then binge it. Well,. Who can wait that long? I don't know. They, I mean, that's what SBS did with The Handmaid's Tale, the season one. They waited like a few uh, weeks and then they got the binge. While season two, they were like, we can't wait. Uh, and it was a week to week release. Uh, see, I had to review The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. And so I made the very bad mistake of watching it all in one, like, over. it was over two days. But it Are was you two okay? nights. Oh, no. Yeah. It was like my review was like, I've seen things and I don't feel good as a woman. And then I'd turn on the news and be like, oh, Donald Trump's happening. Oh, what if the Handmaid's Tale's really happening? Yeah. Oh, so wow. my review was like, don't binge this. Don't, don't do it. I, I've done it and I don't recommend it. Mm. Yeah. Good life. Good place. Anyway, it's going to come place. out. I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another thing though, um, so one of the Mick and Morty writers, now they all just want to, Jessica Gow. Yes. So she's, she was, an Emmy, she was the one who did pickle, the Pickle Rick episode. Oh my God. That was such an insane, that was ridiculously good episode. I know there are people out here who just like, mm, Rick and yeah. Morty and yeah. their fandom isn't great. Yeah. But she wrote a stellar episode. I think you just like don't underestimate the Rick and Morty fan base. They're the ones who brought back the McDonald's Szechuan sauce yes, just they because did. they had a character, like there was an yeah. episode in it where they were oh trying my to gosh. Find, yeah. bring back the sauce that they brought out when Mulan was out. And yep. all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. So she's won, she won an Emmy for that. But now she's currently writing a new series called Lazy Rich Asians. Oh, I wonder where it gets its inspiration from. What? Who can guess? No one. (laughs) So the premise of this one is when her wealthy grandmother dies and names Janet uh, Zhao, who's a first-generation Chinese-American woman, uh, she names Janet the sole inheritor. She suddenly finds herself the unwilling new matriarch of a family she spent her life trying to keep at arm's length because they're a tad 
crazy and exhausting. <laughs> I love that she gets the rich part of it just by like oh, grandma's death. Grandma's death. Inheritance. But also like how crazy is grandma in the sense that she's like knows that she has a big family, but it's like soul inheritance. So like there's so much of it just in that little price that you yeah. just like oh my God, that's genius. It's yeah. complex. It's difficult. It's what's going to happen. Mm. It's going to be like all these family that come out of the woodwork and it is going to be totally and utterly hilarious. Absolutely. And the fact that she is a really good writer, a good, good writer. comedy writer, just goes to show that they're not wasting this no. opportunity on her. And it's like, you know, she is Chinese-American as well. And it's yeah. like, oh, she's so, going to actually draw on proper experiences. And she's been given a script plus penalty commitment. So she's going to get paid regardless oh, of whether they turn even, it into a pilot. Yeah, it gets like, picked up or not. Yeah, so she's going to get the monies. But what I really liked is um, John... Um, John Chu yeah. said, like, when he saw it, he Who directed yeah. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Um, he tweeted out when he found out about Lazy Rich Asians, wow, this is what movement looks like. I love seeing others get the opportunity to tell their stories. This is what we need. Let's keep it going. Hashtag movement. Which is so true because, like, mm. I think Crazy Rich Asians did so much better than they were expecting. And oh, it's totally. still doing really, really it's well. Going insane. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they and had like what, thirty million dollars to make it. And I know. Like so far it's like hundred and sixty three million or something. And this is what's so funny about it. It's it's just like, oh, what a surprise. This Asian movie has worked. I know, let's make more Asian movies because there's a market for it. Mm. It's like no shit, guys. Could have told you that before. No. It's just like you needed something. Um, yeah. Even Catherine Ho's cover of Coldplay's Yellow. I know. Was so it's beautiful. It was like Spotify list. Yeah. Number one across the world. I was just like, oh my goodness. So good. Um, so aside from Gal, though, executive producer will be Sammy Kim Tholvey, who mm. worked on Fresh Off the Boat, Blackish, and Modern Family. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> this is not like your B team. No. This is like calm to play. Yeah. <laughs>, laughs will happen. It's good. So obviously they're just writing. So we don't have any dates of when this will happen. Surely it will happen. Can we it soon, has to happen. Like, sh- hopefully soon. Uh, one would hope. I really want to watch it. Yeah. I know. It's like <laughs> such a tease because it's like. It's like, yeah, I love Rick and Morty. And I'm like, <gasps> oh my goodness. My friend um, dressed up as Pickle Rick last <laughs> Halloween and made the character, like the whole costume himself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Their kitchen smelled of glue for the longest time <laughs> as he was trying to construct this. And then really didn't think it through that night because he'd kind of effectively not sewn himself into this costume because it was quite a construction. Oh, no. Did he talk to Jason? Well, it was, <laughs> he didn't die in a pickle. Oh my God, imagine if he died in a pickle. <laughs> that would be, imagine Ted Danson coming back to having to try and save you. Just go, look, actually, no, that's stupid. This is survival of the species right now. This is Darwinism at play. You actually deserve to die. <laughs> you can end up in hell for the stupidity that you did. <laughs> like just doing that. No. Um, didn't die in the suit, but it was a two-man toilet job whenever he wanted to go to the toilet, which is not the best at a Halloween party. No, that's not yeah. a, that's not ideal. At I think all. at one stage his girlfriends started hiding from him. <laughs> she was like, oh, again, again, Why? I told you that this was going to happen. This is what happens when you commit to ridiculously huge costumes. Yeah. Gosh. Well, hopefully this one makes it through to pilot because yes. I cannot wait. Yeah. Fortunately, though, American Gods. What is going on with I their show? I don't know. I don't know. So the first season was 
amazing. For those who don't know American Gods, i.e. me, please. Right, so it's based on uh, Neil Gaiman's best-selling novel, American Gods. It follows a guy named Shadow who's fresh out of jail. He's gone, he's kind of coming home to bury his dead wife who was having an affair with his best mate. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he meets this mysterious character named Mr. Wednesday. Yep. Who then is like, no, I'm going to pay you to take me on a road trip around America, um, where he then ends up meeting a whole bunch of gods. Oh. And they're like from old world gods, new gods. So the old gods are kind of like, we're preparing for a battle because the yep. new gods, which is like technology, social media are oh. rising because that's what humans are worshipping yeah. now. Yeah. So he kind of gets embroiled in this battlefield. So where we... Like, first season was incredible, like, beautifully shot. It was just yep. stunning. Everything. Everything. Um, we also interviewed Ricky Whittle. You can listen to that podcast. <laughs> I have heard that but, you had, I'm not even going to say it was an, a hug. It was a deep embrace with him. I did. <laughs> and there was a bit of flirting going on. Maybe. <laughs> he likes, <laughs> he's great. He was so lovely with his time. Um, but, yeah, so, but after season one and, the showrunners, um, Michael Green and Brian Fuller, working in season two. Mm. Apparently, Neil Gaiman wasn't very happy with what they were putting through. And then they were like, you know what? Screw it. We're leaving. <laughs> so they left. Just, yeah. And then, so it was like, all right, so who's going to pick it up? So th- they ended up use, uh, going for Jesse Alexander. Yeah. And apparently, and this is the thing, they're filming American Gods right now. Yeah. Um, so apparently he's been sidelined by production as well because they weren't happy with his finale scripts, which is means, and they're already apparently six weeks behind shoot and they're rewriting pretty much the two-part finale of season two. And it's like, what is going on? It's a mess. How did they leave season one? Because so this season, doesn't look like it's going to be rectified any time soon. So well, if there, there is a huge cliffhanger. It was a massive cliffhanger. So, and it wasn't in the books. Oh. So the cliffhanger wasn't in the book. So everyone was like, we don't know what's going on. Which is just adding to the suspense. Yeah, adding to the suspense. And now it's just like, no, we don't like this. This is not the way. It's like, oh, Oh my gosh. This production is falling apart. And it's like, how? You had such a good season one. Because this is the thing. Like, I'd heard about the drama. Mm. And I was just like, oh, my God, this drama is chaotic. So much so, like... The scripting, because there has been a huge problem with the scripting, mm. that they, the actors were getting like the scripts either really, really late, not at all, or just getting the dialogue and it was terrible and just making it up, improving their lines, <laughs> which is like you don't want to. That's but not good. The other thing no. was it also had like quite a few people leaving. So Gillian Anderson, she left yeah. and she played quite a significant part in the first season because once Michael Green and Brian Fuller left, yeah. she was like, I'm out. Because they were like the show creators too. Yeah. And they were like, the ones who yeah. were like pushing for this to be yeah. made. But, but when she left, so did um, Kristen Chenoweth, who played also a really major part yeah. in that cliffhanger. She also went, uh, maybe not. <laughs> in my head, I was like, Kristen Chenoweth did glee. So if she's saying no to this, like something's happening. Yeah. And she was like major part of that like finale in season one. And everyone's like, Oh. oh, so who even knows what's going on in this production? Yeah. It's just falling apart left, right, and center. Well, because like the network came out mm. and essentially is just trying to like hole up, plug up this leaky boat because like well, it's one of their best shows, yeah. and they're like, we can't, 
we can't do anything. And so they're pretty much just going, hey, essentially, fans, be patient. Mm. um, And it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth the wait. And you just go, oh, you probably shouldn't say it's going to be worth the wait unless you know what it's going to be. Because at this stage, it doesn't sound like it's going to be anything. They're just lucky it's Amazon who have so much money. That they can just keep throwing it at it. Because at this rate, it sounds like they have to probably reshoot the entire season two. Well, that's what it's making it sound like. If you're already six weeks behind, you're having to recut scenes that have already happened or redo scenes that have already happened. They're doing heaps of pickup shoots. Yeah. At what stage do you just go, actually, scrap all that, start again? Mm. And then I guess the other issue is who's their showrunner going to be? Yeah. This is, well... It's a mess. Good luck it's trying to figure it out. And it was honestly one of my favourite shows last year. And oh. I'm just like, this is so disappointing. <laughs> Watch this space. Watch this space. And then just keep watching it and mm. hoping for the best. <laughs> you know what space I won't be watching? What space? The Bachelorette. Oh Tali, you sent <laughs> me the way? worst promo on this earth this week. And You're I was making like. making it sound like I made it myself. I did not. <laughs> Because one, I have like a brain, no offense, Channel 10, all the offense. How did you ever think that that was a smart idea? I do not know. One, Mm. do you know what? Okay. So first of all, for those people who don't know about The Bachelorette, in this season, I'm going to say, keep living in that bubble. You don't have to go into it because I can already tell it's going to be shit. Um. Ali Ottigen, yeah, is I think how it pronounces the name. Yeah, she was in the Tim. Tim yeah, Rollards, yeah. Um, she was in his season of it. She was kind of the crazy. I think she was. Was she a real estate or a lawyer? Anyway, she was just like totally gaga for for him right from the start. But mm. she was in a cute kind of way. Anyway, a little bit desperate. Ali, everyone knew Ali. Great, great, great. Then Ali kind of just no one knew about her for the longest time. Apparently, mm-hmm. she still kept up her Instagram. She also got some plastic surgery, like no judgment, but also saying that she came back for Bachelor in Paradise and she had obviously had some work done and her boobs were huge. <laughs> I'm not saying this is why she was cast. I'm also not saying that it's not what she, what she was But it was cast. hilarious because all the boys were like, oh, like literally <laughs> frothing Ooh, over her. Who's so, that? <laughs> like. Wow. What I'm just saying is that she kind of came out of nowhere after this really long time and then, hey guys, I'm the new Bachelorette, which everyone was like, you are literally as boring as a plank of wood. Like, well, the thing was, no she kind of, I think she hooked up with someone from Paradise. Yeah. yeah. But then they he lived like, in America. He lived in America and they were like, no, it was really hard. It was long distancing. He was like, no, she was cheating on me with my friend in the stairway. Yeah. <laughs> like, and this is what's so funny about it. Like, she might be a genius though. Because she got herself out early in The Bachelor in Paradise. So it's not one of those relationships that anyone was really invested in. Mm. But she's kind of made a clean break and still makes it seem like, I'm so unlucky in love and I just want to find a husband and settle down. No, Ali, bless your heart. But I think you just want to be on TV for a bit longer. So anyway, she gets announced as The Bachelorette. Everyone's collective. No. no, it's like old mate Richie Strawn when he was the Bachelor, and everyone like it sounds like a really good idea until you realise that they don't have a personality and they're really really boring, and like they have to drive this program and be entertaining. And it's really hard these when kind the guys of people, just like cool bananas. Yeah. Oh, what's that, mate? Oh, cool oh, bananas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> awkward, awkward, awkward. Yeah. And this is what I think is going to happen with Ali because she has no personality and she's boring. Anyway, you had somehow. I don't. I am blaming you, Sophie. Oh me. 
absolutely blaming you because you had told me at one stage you've gone oh no she's not the bachelorette anymore because I, she's boring i read that somewhere and I, they were like channel 10 sophie, reconsidering because she was boring sophie that gave me so much hope <laughs> can i just say so much hope false info i apologize I but i wish it was true i wished it was true too and this is why in the full circle of this now story of the trailer that Ali has done to be like, I'm the new bachelorette. So you saw the honey badgers. Like they always have to do a trailer, which is essentially an introduction to Australia to essentially say, I'm single and I'm looking for love. And then they get chased by members of the opposite sex. That's generally how it works. Mm. So in the Honey Badgers one, he's just like, I'm a rugby player and a model and I'm also looking for love. Look at my beautiful blonde curls. Oh, what's that? Now I'm on a field. Oh, what's that? There are all these girls and they're chasing me. I'm wanted. Hi, I'm the bachelor. Yep. So Ali's, oh Ali's trailer. The problem is, is as I said, Ali has no personality and no distinct thing to mark anything off. Yeah. So what I think they've done is they've tried to go like a Marilyn Monroe, like <laughs> diamonds are forever. Cause she's wearing very, a similar kind of dress, mm. but then it's also like the t- opening sequence of crazy ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Where she's just doing this song and dance with all these males around her. The problem is, is Ali, bless your heart, but can't sing. So they've obviously dubbed her. I don't know what they've dubbed. The thing is, is like Sophie Monk was a singer, Mm. is a singer, and they didn't make her sing in her commercial. So why did they think Ali should sing? No one knows. No one knows. Anyway, she's there. What was the song that she was singing? Oh, I can't even remember. It was awful. It's like, it's it's obviously going to be a corny love song that everyone knows. It was really corny. And the fact that, uh, like, I can't even think about it because I think I, like, I've buried it so far into my head. I shared it with, like, my work has a sweeps and I shared it with the group and they were like, oh, God, no. this is awful. Like, whoever did this promo should be fired. Yeah. How can Osha keep a straight face? And then one of my mates, she was like, I think it's really good. And everyone's like, what? And no. she's like, Osha is speaking to her like he should. Like a preschooler. <laughs> oh it was just like, oh, oh, yeah. It's and this is what I'm not worried. Like in a, he's I like telling like, her, we are going to find you a husband. <laughs> like, oh wow. Oh, it's so. But this is the thing is, it's like she's so simple. Like, <laughs> and you can tell. Like everyone already thought that. Then you watch this ridiculously crappy corny ad that the only thing that I can think of and just like conspiracy theory I know mm. but maybe she's so bad it's going to be like train wreck train, good yeah train wreck good is that you're going to watch it just to see how bad it is well it depends on and the dudes they get you in. well this is the thing is that they will have to get some either really entertaining guys or some really bad 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 ones it's like, oh, I just don't, I think they should, like, I don't think it's too late, Channel 10. Like, recast your Bachelorette. Just pull it. Just just pull it. Find another one. Pull it. It's going to be such a fall from grace because The Bachelor, mm. the, like, the honey badger, Nick Cummins, like, everyone loves him, they men him. and women. My and brother's so, been watching because he yeah, adores well, the honey badger. And this is what I mean. They're, like, their audience numbers are going to be, like, really quite good. And then it's The Bachelorette is going to happen and then it's just going to plummet. It's going to be such a skew Bye-bye. from, like, <laughs> real high to real low. And then it's, like, your annual report is screwed, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you could have just, like, why not have a better one? Like, surely there's more entertaining single females out there. They just have to stop choosing from the pool of previous bachelors and bachelorette oh, people, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like, 
Apparently, well, that's they... the thing is that they cast out for um, Sophie Monk. They cast out for, for Georgia Nick Love Cummins. Yeah, Georgia Love. But and I think they did like Nick Cummins and Sophie because they're like, oh my god, celebrity works. Yeah, people like celebrity. But then if they're like celebrity, why not Casey Donovan? <gasps> Could you imagine? They've made a video. Bisexual. Mm-hmm. Could be both men and women. Kittens and puppies. <laughs> Kittens and puppies. Kittens and puppies. She would also be really good in terms of and like... People love on reality because she won um, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Yeah, Australian Idol. Let's not forget. Number Let's not two. go back to her roots. Number two. Exactly. So, like reality audiences love her. Exactly. And also like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette in Australia have a real people of colour problem. Like, aside from Blake, who is an absolute, he was awful. Well, this is the thing. It's like they choose really terrible people. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Casey Donovan, you would. Bring it on. Yeah. Look. Especially, she has such, like, like, they want sub stories. She has the ultimate sub story. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine the moment that she, like, I swear, like, all of Australia knows, but yeah. her walking along the beach going, I've been hurt in love. There was this time I totally got catfished. For six years. Yes, exactly. Like. That's a reflective look across the ocean. I want to find love on a national TV program. <laughs> that's what that scene is. Not the other ones where it's just like, oh, it's really hard because every time I go to the club, I pick up, but not the right person. <laughs> that's essentially what their sob story is every time they go to the beach. Oh, dear. Oh. It's, it's one of those things that like no one in reality actually does that. No one goes, oh, I need to wonder what's happening on with my love life. Oh, just... Pause that. I'm just going to get on a bus, go down to Bondi. Just... <laughs> Where there's everyone God. around me. It's never a quiet beach. No. Could you just imagine? <laughs> Guys, I'm having a reflective moment about my love life. Can you please clear out? I need a vacant beach. What's this? Just a pool of water? Like a puddle in a gutter? It's all right. As long as I can see my reflection. I might throw a rock. Start singing some Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what's that? Yes, no, I do walk around with an orchestra and a string <laughs> section to play a melodic background. Okay. Of course I do. It's my reflection. It's, it's just my beautiful song. Oh, my goodness. Maybe I should audition for The Bachelorette. Just can so you, can, Tali? Oh, my God. So I can have moments of reflective walk across the beaches. Oh, no, I don't actually want to meet any of the guys. No. I just want to walk across the beach in a really, like, but poignant way. But you can still way. savage all the guys. Oh, could you imagine? No, I would be awful. I have no filter. Yeah, great TV, Tali. Great TV. I have no filter. There would be no suspense. This is why Sophie was good. No filter. No, but I don't even think I could play along with the rules of it. I'd just be like, oh, no. It doesn't no. matter. They've been breaking the fourth wall so much this season of The Bachelor anyway. Oh, maybe I could just be like, imagine that. Every single day. Oh, no, Are we good? Boring. Are we good? Bye. <laughs> the thing is, is, I wouldn't be able to remember any of their names. Like... The, the producers would literally have to be. I'd be like, um, the bow tie one. What the, the that one would the, be so funny because you give them really bad nicknames. Oh, throughout <laughs> dodgy board shorts. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so dodgy board shorts over there. Beach bumpkin there says he's a soccer player. Not really. <laughs> like, fake soccer player. Fake soccer player. Oh my god! You, could you imagine all the oh, ones? Oh, oh dear. Oh, good times. Good times. It's been very pop cultural. Pop cultural. <laughs> I dare say we predated that podcast. <laughs> Never let you forget that. <laughs> what is the 
perfect predator for a date. <laughs> Sophie, no. I'm like, no. I was talking about something predating something. I know. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that predated that event. Oh, you mean like it predated it? Oh, no, you can't even say predator. Predated. Predated. Yeah. yeah. Predating? Predatedishness. Why is there a noun called a predator when there is no verb attached to it? I don't understand this. Predativism. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Dig up. Dig up. We'll leave it on that note. I'm Sophie. I'm Tali. This has been Gaggle of Geeks on to SCR. Find us on all good podcasting platforms. And we'll catch you next week for more pop culture and geek culture. You will. Bye. Bye.